Welcome to the COVID Lexington podcast, timely conversations highlighting local community leaders and experts to keep you informed during the COVID-19 era. We plan to present insights to help you thrive and opportunities to help your neighbors and communities, all brought to you from a safe social distance from our homes across Lexington, Kentucky. Hello, Lexington. Uh, Cameron Hamilton uh, back with Trevor Nichols uh, for another uh, exciting episode of the COVID Lexington podcast. Trevor, who do we have with us today? Cameron, we're lucky today. We've got with us Mary Quinn Raymer. She's the president of Visit Lex and has um, her hands in all types of baskets. We were just chit-chatting before we got started recording today, and we're really excited to hear what Mary Quinn has to say um, and tell her what she's involved in. So without further ado, um, Uh, Mary Quinn, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are? Absolutely. It's good to see you guys. Uh, It's nice to always be connecting with folks, even if it's virtually these days. Um, I am, I have what I consider to be one of the greatest privileges of my life, and that is the opportunity to be the Director of Tourism for the City of Lexington. I am President at Visit Lex, and as I mentioned, that is the official tourism agency for our, our fine city. So, My job is to obviously promote Lexington as a premier travel destination for all kinds of reasons. Uh, It could be a leisure trip, it could be a business trip, or it could be a meeting or convention that might be, you know, housed at our convention center. So we try to showcase the very best of our city in an effort to drive economic development to Lexington through the hospitality sector. So, um, a lot of people know Visit Lex through the new renovated courthouse downtown, which is beautiful and awesome. And I'm there all the time, a lot of times just to get lunch at Zim's. But if you had mm-hmm. to tell someone who, because um, it's great, if you had to tell someone who um, might not have heard what Visit Lex is or what its mission is, um, what would you tell them that, that, that its purpose really centered around? Well, first and foremost, that it's, it's economic development at its heart. We are trying to drive um, revenue into the city, which we then believe impacts all of um, the locals' quality of life. And so there are a number of people that find their careers in the hospitality sector. And so we are trying to do everything we can to elevate um, economic development and meaningful workforce development through hospitality. And um, we are considered to be uh, the official tourism agency for our city. And we look to do everything we can from a marketing, promotion, and sales arena to showcase the very best of our city. And so we are in the business of inviting people to town. So given that this is April of 2020, it has been anything but business as usual. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what we'd really just be most interested in hearing. You know, Trevor's an attorney. I'm a financial planner. We've both been very lucky in our own professions to be able to kind of work from home and and accomplish, you know, our normal tasks. But I imagine the people in the hospitality sector, broadly, that's not the case. So what kind of effects are you seeing right now? Well, in a word, I would say that it has been devastating 
the impact that the industry has taken. And it's not just a Lexington issue, but really you're seeing this across the entire globe. Um, there's just been significant catastrophic loss really with respect to the travel industry, both nationally and internationally. And Lexington is no exception from that. As I was mentioning when we were chit-chatting, the very nature of what I do for a living runs counter to what we all need to be doing right now in the spirit of public health and doing the most good. And so um, while it has been a painful transition for us, of course, we are completely on board with what needs to be done in order to ensure public health and certainly appreciate what all of our frontline responders are doing. Um, that being said, I can tell you uh, that if you are in the hospitality industry, it is probably because you have a sincere passion for people and you have a real heart for service. And so to have most of those jobs be completely shuttered has been really hard on the industry. And um, I've, it, one of the, I guess, benefits and also one of the heartbreaks about being in my position is the perspective that I have across the city and across all the different subsectors of our industry and just hearing the loss has been really hard. Um, that being said, I know that when we are able to safely get back to work and we are safely able to invite people to start traveling again, this industry is resilient and we will be ready to extend that gracious hospitality that we are known for um, right away. So. We are just wait-and-see mode right now. Well, it's, it, it is a wait-and-see mode, but you, you particularly haven't been waiting and seeing. I, I recently, I, I purchased some prints from Keeneland, and what I saw whenever the package came to the door was a slip that talked about Nourish Lexington, and that yes. really covers that segment of the hospitality uh, population, those service people where they can, they are getting back to work and they're making an impact in their own right. So tell us a little bit about what Nourish Lexington does and how you're involved. So I am incredibly proud of the work that has been done through Nourish Lexington and I cannot say enough about the partners that came together to um, bring that vision into reality. First and foremost, a huge thanks to Food Chain and Becca Self. For those that aren't familiar with what Food Chain is doing on a day in, day out basis, independent of a pandemic, I would definitely encourage um, you to check out their mission. And um, also just great generosity of Wes Murray and his family foundation, uh, the partnership with Keeneland. We've also had the Jenna and Matthew Mitchell Family Foundation as key partners, Bluegrass Community Foundation. So just a lot of people in the community coming together and working to do just this. And that is quite simply to not only provide meals, which we know there is a huge need right now for meals. Um, people literally need nourishment. Um, but there's also a ton of hospitality food service workers who've been displaced. When you think about the numbers of men and women who make their careers in the food service industry in this community, it's significant. And virtually overnight, their line of work was completely altered. And so the way that we've uh, put together the nurse program is that we would take kitchens that are not being utilized right now because of the pandemic, and we would take workers with food uh, food service licensing, right, with all the right licensing, and we would put them to work making meals. So we're not only um, 
allowing people an opportunity to go back to work, to use their hands, to be of service, and to also make some money while they're doing it, but we're also able to provide meals to people regardless of their need. And so we just feel like it's a win-win. It's, it's um, utilizing the skill set and the talents and the facilities that are around this community, and it's also providing an essential need for people right now. And we like to say that um, everyone is absolutely welcome. There's no checks and balances. If you show up and you say you need a meal, then you're going to get a meal. So um, it has been really heartwarming, the response that we've gotten. And like I said, there's just been a tremendous collaboration among the community uh, partners that I mentioned. So very grateful for all of that. Yeah, it sounds like it's a great example of cooperation right now because you have people given their time, their talents, their resources. You know, if someone's interested in getting involved with Nourish, you know, what are some, some ways that they could help do that? The best way to get involved uh, with Nourish Lexington is to check out the website, nourishlexington.org. It allows you a few different ways to become engaged. Obviously, one way that we appreciate a lot is to donate. Uh, we make it very easy to do so, and you can be assured that 100% of those dollars are going directly to feeding people who have a need right now, facilities and people. Uh, to help prepare those meals. And then the third aspect is the distribution. And so we've had a great team of volunteers that have helped us distribute meals once they're prepared in, uh, in the evenings. And we are distributing Monday through Friday, five days a week um, in the evenings. And so I, again, if folks are interested, it would be great to hear from you and the website nourishlexington.org is the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, I was thinking about going back to the, the conversation about visit Lex and you know the normal things you guys are doing to market and bring people into the city uh, you know obviously have stopped on a dime uh, but I was kind of on your website today checking out some of the different things you were doing and I'd just like to to give you a chance to to talk about who, how your team has has pivoted to highlight Lexington at this time. Well pivot is definitely the name of the game but I have to say even though we've not been doing anything um, per our normal, we have had a lot of fun creating contents and sharing that with folks. So we, we believe that travel, even if it's not, um, if we're not, we're not out loud to travel in our normal ways right now, we believe travel's always a state of mind. And we thought the best thing we can do is to continue inspiring travel to Lexington. So we have on our Facebook turned um, our Facebook channel into a Netflix of Lexington, if you will. So uh, during the weekday, we've got content programming spaced out and we've tried to do everything from what you can do at home um, with your kids to what you can do in the evening making the perfect cocktail. It's been a great way for us to highlight a lot of our industry partners and some of the creative things that they're doing during this pandemic and um, it certainly allowed us to continue um, putting out inspirational content. And I would also just um, certainly add to that, that our website is full of great ideas. Um, this is actually a great time to kind of get to know your, your own hometown in a different way than maybe you're used to. So I know, for example, we've had a lot of people that have taken our mural challenge, which is, you can certainly download that challenge on our website. It's given them an opportunity to, to get out and about, to check out some cool art, and at the same time, uh, get to know the city maybe from a different perspective on foot than you are when you're typically in the car. So we've had a lot of people tell us that the mural challenge has been really fun. 
There's also a scenic driving tour, which on a beautiful day is a great way to kind of get out and see some of the uh, historic sites and the beautiful uh, thoroughbred farms. So visitlex.com is a great resource. And then all of our social media handles. Like I said, we've been doing a lot of the, the program and Twitter as well. So. I think that's so awesome. The, the idea of travel being a state of mind. And I know for people who really like to travel and, you know, kind of design experiences, half the fun is looking forward to it. And I know one thing that I'm doing as we're cooped up here is thinking about all those things that I took for granted around town, you know, going to a game or a show or a restaurant and trying to kind of create my little, um, you know, after, you know, once we get to the new normal, you know, kind of my Lexington bucket list. So I think that's cool how you guys are kind of helping lead the charge and highlight those for, for people in Lexington. Yeah, I, I, I know personally, I can't wait to go out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing a lot of takeout, but it's just not the same. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm continually shocked at how few plates it seems I have because we've been cooking so many meals and doing so many dishes and it's just dishes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like everyone's doing those dishes 24 seven. So uh, speaking of cooking, I also saw on the visit Lex, uh, com website um, that DVA kitchen has been involved and they okay. actually had a, it looks like they had a tutorial on or a how to on how to make cinnamon roll pudding. Um, so which sounds fantastic, by the way. Um, I need right. to go find some of that and probably should watch the video. But what has been your experience from the, from the Visit Lex side as far as um, those Lexington staples um, reaching out to see what they can do to kind of help all of us move through uh, what Cameron said, the new normal? So one of the things that I am constantly reminded of um, in this role is just how awesome the people of Lexington are. It, it, it is such a um, privilege for me to just see how gracious and how kind and how giving um, Lexington really is as a city. I, I say to folks a lot that it's such a compassionate place to be and uh, more than not, you've got people saying, hey, how can I help you achieve, you know, your dreams or reach your goals? And um, I don't think it's any different during the pandemic. It's maybe even a little more so. There's just been a great resiliency and certainly great creativity. So we've had, um, you know, partners like ours, Rob Perez and his team giving a tutorial on the perfect um, cinnamon roll pudding. We've had uh, Tim Niddle with, um, you know, on the distillery side, mixing up his perfect cocktails in the evening. We've had a Zumba class that I actually participated in, which was extremely difficult. It was like short and absolutely whipped me. <laughs> um, we've seen a, a really wide spectrum of um, course. We've had some horse farm tours. I don't know how I could forget to not mention those, but um, seeing some of those horses, especially the mamas and the babies this time of year out in the fields has been a really fun way for us to continue connecting with fans. And one of probably the coolest things that we did uh, a couple weeks ago was host a Zoom call with a horse. And Price Bell of Mill Ridge Farm actually took his iPhone out to the farm and got in the pasture with these mamas 
and we had a Zoom call with the horse, and it was just hysterical. It, the weather ended up being beautiful. It's blue skies. Of course, the green right now is like technicolor green. It's just gorgeous, and these horses, most of them are total hams, and so they were just hamming. <laughs> we had people from all over the country on the Zoom call, so we certainly are trying to push our creativity. Um, delivery looks different than it used to, but I think it's as innovative as ever. And uh, it's also been a great way for us to not just do it, um, you know, with our team and, and our um, our resources, but also highlight the, the folks in the industry throughout the community that really make it what it is. Absolutely. Um, I, I missed out on the Zoom call. It sounds hilarious. <laughs> it was funny. It was super funny. Yeah, and something you really wouldn't have thought of before we were, you know, confined to our own space. Do you do you think things like that, the Zoom call with the with the uh, with the horses and 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 other things like that? Do you think that will continue to be a part of you know kind of the resources that VisitLex offers? I think it has definitely shown us how much we are capable of doing. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's going to be some legacy aspects to all of this that will be good and that will be a part of our you know, sort of um, strategy, you know, moving forward. It's, it's, a, it's been a way for us to deliver content, particular to this time, but I think we can continue delivering content in that fashion. And as you know, as, you know, people who travel, um, as you were referencing, you know, so much of the joy and the sort of uh, euphoric happiness that comes from travel has a lot to do with that planning. And so we can continue to issue content that's very inspirational um, long after this pandemic is, you know, behind us. Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm most thankful about in, in Lexington is just the beautiful kind of unique landscape we have. I like to ride my bicycle out in the countryside and I like to do that with friends. I'm not doing that now, obviously, but uh, you know, what, what, what do you think, is going to be most exciting for people, you know, when we kind of get to that new normal and, um, you know, get to where we can go do some fun things like that. So, you know, it's something that I've actually thought quite a bit about and so many people across, right, not just this community, our community, but, but all over have had to figure out how to work from home, how to connect with family and friends from home, how to do virtually everything from home. And it's been very innovative. However, I don't think it comes anywhere near. Um, I don't think it begins to replace what it means to actually be with people. And I just know personally, one of the things that I have felt through this is that um, deep need to connect with others. And you can do that to a point via Zoom or on the phone, but it's not the same as actually being together. And so I think, you know, once people have confidence and assurance in being back together, I think there's going to be a whole new wave of, um, or a whole new appreciation and, and level of understanding for what it means to have time with people. And I think that's going to be great, um, not just for the travel industry, but for all of us. I think it speaks to a lot of what is really inherently good about being a human, and that is our need for, for others. Um, so I have a long list of things I cannot wait to do, 
I eat out as a hobby. So eating out <laughs> is top of my list. Um, as I said, I've been doing a ton of takeout, but it's not the same. But even just being able to gather, you know, with colleagues at the office and, and plan a strategy or a campaign with them in the room with me versus over the, the Zoom with me, um, I look forward to that, right? And um, I just think there's going to be a lot of us that once we have that confidence and assurance are going to want to get back together with people. So, yeah, yeah I think that's such a, a beautiful thought to kind of wrap up on is that, you know, we're, we're, we appreciate the work you're doing and everybody else is doing kind of being respectful of the time that we're, we're living in and trying to do the right thing and the advocacy that you've done to kind of help our hospitality workers. But I know that once we get there, we've got bright minds like you and your team at VisitLex that's going to help us, you know, capitalize on, you know, the great resources that we have, hopefully like never before. You know, I think this is a pause that right. we're taking, but, you know, the, com the community aspect of seeing people coming together, uh, I can only hope that we're going to come out of this stronger as a, as a unit, uh, you know, over the, over the coming years. Absolutely. I, it's, it's, um, most certainly something I look forward to. Yeah. So, uh, I think you've, we've kind of mentioned some of your work. I looked at your Instagram, which is at visit Lex. I think that's the cool kind of Netflix of Lexington you were talking about. And then you also talked about, uh, Norris Lexington, which is NorrisLexington.org, right? Yep. Yep. You got it. Awesome. Well, Mary Quinn, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate having you and, uh, you know, best of luck as we, as we get through this, try to get to our new normal. So thank you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for thinking of me and for thinking of Visit Lex and for the work that you all are doing. And just know that, um, you know, we love hearing our locals are really an important, a very important part of the heart and spirit behind what we do every day at Visit Lex. So we love the partnership and we love connecting with folks in the community. Thanks again to Mary Quinn Raymer of Visit Lex for joining us and uh, giving us a great update on Lexington tourism and, and how they're getting through this. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, nonprofit partner on board today as well. Uh, Stephanie was able to interview Wynn Stevens. He's the executive director of the Children's Advocacy Center of the Bluegrass. Uh, they're a nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the trauma experienced by childhood victims of sexual abuse. Uh, very important work, uh, work that's difficult right now, but I think you had some great insight in, in how they're trying to, to get around in this time too. So Stephanie, go ahead and take it away. Hi everyone, this is Stephanie Little. I am joined today by Wynn Stevens. He is the Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center of the Bluegrass. Wynn, thank you for being here. My pleasure, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So when can you tell us a little bit about the Children's Advocacy Center of the Bluegrass and kind of what you all do and what your mission is? Sure. So the Children's Advocacy Center of the Bluegrass is a nonprofit organization that works to reduce the trauma experienced by um, sexually abused children. And we do that by trying to coordinate all the services that they need for the investigation and the treatment of those cases in one location. So in our case, that includes um, providing, being advocates for the kids and their families, um, conducting forensic interviews um, with children, uh, doing medical examinations, and also providing therapy to help kids overcome the, the trauma that they've experienced. And we serve a 17-county uh, region in Central Kentucky, wow. so the, in, the entire Bluegrass Area Development District, if you're, fami if you're familiar with that, 
um, is covered by the, the Children's Advocacy Center of the Bluegrass, and we do about a thousand cases per year. Wow, that's a big caseload. I did not realize um, it would be quite that high of a number. I also love that you all put kind of a wraparound services in place. So if a family comes to you, they don't have to go one place for help with the investigation and one place for help with um, therapy. I think it's really, really smart that you all have kind of taken into account all the needs that might come up and try to help with that because it's already traumatic and horrible. And then to just know, okay, we can go right here and we can get the help we need. And we don't have to try to, you know, find five or six different places to help us. I think that's really, really smart. And I love that you guys do it that way. Well, thank you. That's actually the basis for our, our uh, entire mission really is that in the past, if, if someone alleged abuse, um, you know, they would, they would end up talking to 10 or 12, a child would have to talk to 10 or 12 people to tell their story. And they were just basically being re-victimized every time they had to do that. And um, no one was getting any prosecutions because you don't have to be a good defense attorney to poke holes in 12 different statements of a eight year old child, right? Uh, they just, their, their minds don't think in that linear way that adults do. So, um, so that was sort of the basis for starting the center was that um, you get all the services. Um, I'll let you use our favorite term wraparound, uh, get all of our services in one location so that the family only has to remember uh, one phone number, one, one name of their advocate, um, and we can help direct them to everything they need and, and hopefully take them from the start of this process to the end of this process. And of course, the end is, is returning kids to being the happy, healthy folks they were intended to be. Absolutely. That's so smart and such a, it's, it's the right way to approach it and handle it. And I love that you guys um, have thought all of that through and do that and hopefully help these families you know, you can't take away the trauma, but hopefully reduce the trauma that they have to go through with this. Can you tell me a little bit about how you all have been impacted with the um, COVID-19 changes? You know, have you had limits to your volunteers? Have you had any changes to how you guys are kind of up and running at the time? Sure. Uh, like every organization, I think we've been impacted pretty drastically um, from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting. We're, we're currently being impacted by this. And I think in the future, um, we're, we're going to be impacted as well. So currently, um, a, a lot of our services can't be offered remotely. Um, they, uh, uh, the forensic interview of a child can't be done um, remotely. You can't uh, provide their uh, advocacy rather um, remotely. You can't do a medical exam um, remotely. So we've been really having to work to um, uh, figure out our service delivery model and make drastic changes to that. Um, we have, I think, successfully pulled that together. Uh, we are now um, doing interviews and doing medical exams at our facility and doing advocacy. Um, we did figure out how to do teletherapy, which is new for us, um, but that's been very exciting so that um, kids who are in active recovery don't need um, to, to miss their appointments. We're able to, to go see them and, um, uh, and, and conduct the therapy as they need it. So um, that's been a big change for us. Um, obviously, there's a, a great financial impact related to COVID-19 and uh, we are, we're suffering some, um, some difficulty related to those things. Um, we just found out that, uh, I, I would guess right now, we're looking at about a 20% um, reduction in revenue um, for um, fiscal year 2021. And that, that's a big number for us. Um, most of our, our operations are um, personnel expenses. Bye. So I was just looking the other day, we need to reduce um, expenses um, or raise revenues uh, about 20% and personnel is 84% of our total budget. So 
Um, that means either we're going to have to look at um, changing how we work with our personnel or increasing our revenue or finding new streams of revenue or, or something like that. So that's going to be a challenge. The other thing that we, we know is going to happen is that we're going to be very, very busy coming out of this. Um, unfortunately, um, what we know is that when um, families are in close quarters um, and things like this are going on, that um, instances of abuse um, go up. So you can imagine um, just in our own lives, right? Um, it's a stressful time. We're, we're, we're having to figure out ways to, to do work remotely. Um, we're all a little bit uptight about our finances because you know people are um, having hours reduced or salaries reduced or they're on commit, they're a commission-based business and, and, and those kind of things. Um, your children are under your feet the entire time. And so there's just a lot of stressors that take place that, that can result in, in kids being hurt potentially. Um, there's also the opportunity, you know, we're trying to, to be um, uh, employees and parents and teachers all at the same time. And sometimes it's harder to keep a, an eye on who our kids are with um, and those kind of things um, when we're trying to do work from home and, and they're not in school and some things like that. So um, it's unfortunate, but we do, we do know that um, this is leading to a higher rate of abuse. And so we know that when we come out of this, once kids get back in school and start being back in churches and around coaches and those kind of things, the, the sort of helpers who tend to help them process what has happened and report these things, we, uh, we expect to be pretty busy coming out on the other end of that. So it's a little bit of a weird time for us. You know, uh, we, we think money's going to be down, cases are going to be up, um, and, uh, um, but we'll figure it out. We've always, we've got a great group of people that, that work with us. We've got a great group of supporters and board members, including your leadership Lexington uh, uh, classmate, Emily Miller. Um, so we'll, we'll figure out something creative and, and some way to make sure that the kids continue to get the help they need and we're not going to turn anybody away for our services. Absolutely. And I feel like it's such, such a strange challenge to know that you're going to come out of this and have an increased number of cases and know that your revenue is going to be down. It's, it's so backwards for the way it should be, you know, really the money should be coming in, you know, in a, in a perfect world, in an ideal right. scenario, and that's just not how it works. Um, but one thing I will say that I've always been so impressed with any nonprofit that I've interviewed or helped with is you guys are always so innovative and you, you always put the mission and the people that you're serving first and you figure it out always, you know, yeah. it's just always amazing to me. And like you said, you know, you've got a great team that works there. You've got support from the board, but it's challenging. It's not an easy situation to go into. And I'm always just so impressed with how you all work together as a team and figure out a way that, you know, you got to keep serving the community that you want to serve. And I think that's fantastic. And, uh, deserves a lot of praise and um, I know the community wants to be behind you guys as well so we'll try to keep supporting you as much as we can but and I know you guys will figure it out we will and and you know I, I don't want to sound um, too pathetic here I mean you know we're not the only ones facing the situation right I mean God's pantry what a great organization and they're slammed right and yet at the same time people have fewer discretionary dollars that they can make donations to, to organizations like that with um, so there's lots of really worthy organizations um, in the community who are, who are going through a difficult period right now. Um, and so, you know, I, I think what's important is that Lexington and, and the surrounding areas do the things that they've always done, which is to, to be generous and when they can and be supportive when they can and um, figure out a way to, to help us get through this. As the governor likes to say, we will get through this together. <laughs> You're so Actually, right. I think his line is, we'll get through this. We'll get through this together. So uh, apologies. <laughs> You were so right. And I love that you 
said, even though you guys are also a very worthy organization, but I love that you mentioned other organizations. Every nonprofit that I've talked through through this process has said, same thing. We're not the only ones going through this. Everybody's going to have to figure this out. Like, I, th I feel like you all, all also support each other and also recognize the important work that the other nonprofits are doing. And I think that's so fantastic and such a supportive and, and it's also just so indicative of the community that we live in. I feel very fortunate to live in this community. I feel like the community wants to support our nonprofits and our nonprofits support each other. And that is the only way that we're going to get through this is if we all step up and figure out ways to help however we can. If it's financially, if you have the finances, great. If not, what can you do to advocate for your favorite nonprofit? Or once volunteering gets back to some version of normal or some new version of normal, going and volunteering and helping where you can. So um, I love that you mentioned that. And I think that that's so true to our community and where we live. Well, I, I think it's important too to for us to even to take a step back at a, at a critical time like this and recognize we in Lexington, we in Kentucky, we in the United States live in a world of abundance. I mean, right, compared to so many other people, um, Lexington's a, a, a very thriving community. Um, okay, so for right now, we can only buy, you know, two packs of ground beef at the grocery store at a time. All right. But um, gosh, it's there and we have the capacity to do it and those kind of things. So I think that's one of the reasons so many nonprofits are, are so um, open to helping um, others and mentioning others and those kind of things, recognizing that if, if we all contribute, we all do what we can, and we all do think about it in terms of, of um, how fortunate we are, um, there will be more than enough uh, funding, more than enough bodies to, uh, to serve the community in the ways that we need them to. Absolutely, I agree. I completely agree. So how, Right now, through all this, you know, everything's closed down. Everybody's supposed to be healthy at home. Are you guys still able to serve the families and the kids that need you all? And, you know, what does that look like? And are you, are you all still open? Do you still have some people in the office? Like, how is that working for you all right now? Sure. So we are, um, we are continuing to operate and serve children and their, and their uh, caregivers. What we are doing is a little bit different for us, though. We are doing a lot of our work um, in terms of, um, what we call our advocacy work over the phone in advance of seeing kids come to our center. So it used to be that they would come in and we'd sit down and have a conversation with they and their family about what all's going on and what do they need. And one of the things that, that our staff do that I really love is that they, they help them sort of quarterback a lot of other situations like, um, you know, maybe the, one of the family stressors in addition to the, to the abuse is that um, they're falling behind on rent or they need help with the electric payment or, um, in some cases, you know, the alleged abuser um, is the, the person that that family is living with. And so now they've got to find a new place to, to go live for a while um, and some things like that. So they, you know, they work through a lot of situations in addition to, to just the abuse. Um, so we used to sit down and have a conversation with them in, in, in our consultation room and do that. Now we're doing those um, over the phone before they get there. Um, we're sending uh, uh, lots of documents um, via email and DocuSign and those kind of things to get to get signed and um, so it's reducing the amount of time that we spend together in the center um, because one of the things we know about this virus is it's not only about um, being exposed to someone, but also the length of time you're exposed to someone that can, um, can be a risk factor. Uh, we're still doing interviews. Um, we're still doing them at the center, but we actually have our interviewer and the child in two separate rooms and they are um, linked together with the HIPAA compliant um, video um, conference system. Um, and uh, our investigators that come to watch those interviews are uh, also being separated. They used to watch in the same room and now they're in two separate rooms. 
Um, we are running through disinfectant like crazy because we disinfect everything as soon as we're done. Um, and then we're, you know, we're also screening people before they come. Have they been around anybody that's been sick? Are they, um, you know, all those kind of things. So um, we're still, we're still there. We're still doing our work. Um, we're not doing the volume of cases that we'd normally do. Um, I mentioned earlier that we know that we're going to be busy coming out of this. It's also interesting. Reports right now are way, 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 way down, um, like 65% down. Um, oh, wow. And so we've, uh, we've talked about that. And a, a lot of the reason for that is that children just aren't in sight of folks who would typically um, help them understand what's going through that, this and, and help them yeah. report it, right? Teachers, coaches, um, folks like that. So uh, um, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. So we're, we're, we're not doing quite the volume of cases that we normally do because reports are down and also because it's taken us a little longer to do each case because you've got to set up the video conference, you got to clean everything up when you're done, all those kind of things. But um, the only thing that we are doing that's completely um, uh, different is that our therapy program has gone to a 100% telehealth model. And uh, fortunately, everybody's that's worked really well. We've been sort of uh, shocked at how easy it was to make that conversion um, and those kind of things. So, uh, so yeah, we're still, we're still doing our thing. Um, our staff are only coming in to work on the cases and then they're going home to sort of uh, do their follow-up calls and all their data entry and um, all their reporting and those kind of things. They do that at home um, just to, to, again, limit the amount of time folks are in the office and folks are together. Yeah, I think that's all really, really smart. You guys have done a really good job. I feel like the word of the year is pivot. <laughs> You've done a great job pivoting and <laughs> figuring out how to uh, how to handle this situation. And I love that you, you old, got the talk. Do you remember that episode of, uh, of a friend with Ross and Rachel and he kept yelling, pivot, pivot? It's <laughs> well, very relevant right now. If that's a uh, uh, too dated a reference. No, it's not too dated. No, my, okay. my generation grew up watching Friends. So, yes, right. I, I know exactly what you're referring to. All right, Wynn, <laughs> um, right, if the community, if there's people out here in the community who want to help you guys and want to support you all right now, what can people do to help you all? And what do you need most right now? Well, um, so uh, in terms of what we need most in the immediacy, I need my children to be a little quieter. But um, since that's not going to happen, uh, we always... <laughs> Um, we can always use uh, financial support. Again, you know, there's there's a lot of factors that are going on that are um, um, making this a challenging time for, for people. Um, we also really need the um, community to be on the lookout for signs of abuse um, and, and things like that. So, right, so some things they can do, they can check on their family and friends um, and, and find out how other people are doing, talk to some uh, uh, people they know that have kids, um, if they are feeling stressed or if they recognize that others are feeling stressed, help them reach out to get some help, um, get some time away, um, do those kind of things. Um, learn and, and recognize the signs of abuse and neglect. And I would recommend folks um, visit cackentucky.org for that. Um, and there's some great resources there about how you can see um, the signs of abuse and neglect. And then also um, remind everybody that they are mandated reporters of uh, child abuse. And so if they uh, suspect a child is being abused or they know that a child is being abused, um, you're required in Kentucky to report that. And uh, the way you do that is by calling 1-877-KY-SAFE-1. And that's uh, 1-877-597-2331. So those are some things that the community can do that we would uh, ask them to uh, um, reach out and try to do. And if they also have any questions, they can always call our office um, and 
and ask other ways they can be involved, right? So um, our number is 859-514-1566. And our website is kykids.org. Uh, Wonderful. Those are great resources and great reminders. And I appreciate you sharing all that data with us of what numbers can you call and what can you do. And I would encourage people too to, you know, keep an eye on your website, keep an eye on social media as things, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet, but as things start to transition to some version of new normal, um, people can watch for opportunities to help you guys out, you know, maybe to make a donation when they can, if they get back to work, or maybe can volunteer if volunteer opportunities ever open back up, or if you have fundraisers, you know, right now, a lot of people can't even host fundraisers if you can't get groups together. So I would encourage people to watch the website, watch social media, uh, just try to stay up to date on what's going on. Um, you guys have done such a wonderful job, I feel like, of navigating this. The, the work that you all do is so important. And to all of a sudden be thrown this kind of left field curveball, and you guys have just done such a good job of like, well, we still have to serve this population. We still have to help these kids. Um, and it can't have been easy. And it probably was a lot of, um, trial and error and a lot of trying to figure out what would work and what is still safe and keeping everybody safe and healthy. So I appreciate the work that you guys are doing so much. And I know the community appreciates it. So thank you all for everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. We've, uh, like I said, we've got a great team at the CAC and they work really hard at, uh, um, at their jobs. They're passionate about what you do. You certainly don't go into this work because you're um, looking for the big payday. So uh, they're, they're passionate about helping kids and and making sure that uh, everyone gets the services they, they deserve. And sometimes that's um, sitting there with a the child and sometimes that's figuring out how to um, conduct forensic interviews over, you know, a zoom conference call. So it just depends on the day and, and how you're going to, uh, how you're going to respond. And, and they've, they've done a really fantastic job. I'm really proud of them and um, proud that we're able to continue doing this work. Absolutely. Well, you all keep up the good work and stay healthy and take care. And thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you.